Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Wheeler, Cycle, Line A, scores! I don't believe my eyes. Wheeler gets a hat trick. Oh my goodness. It's another. Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. I think I forget how to do this. That's how long it's been. It's, we, <laughs> it's Jamie Thomas, Tyler Esquivel, and Mitchell Clinton with you for this, you know, rare edition of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets before the NHL draft. Uh, the National Hockey League season is over. It may have taken a long time to some, but it sure went by fast to us. St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. Uh, congratulations to them. We always hear about copycat leagues. I can tell you right now, I'm sure people aren't, team owners aren't sitting there going, you know, we need to fire our coach in December. <laughs> we have to everything the same. We need to be last in the National Hockey League in January, <laughs> and we'll pull our rookie goaltender out of the minors and hope he takes us to the glory, glory land. Uh, that's what happened for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Mitch, quick thoughts on the Blues winning, and maybe does it take the sting out of the loss in that opening round to the, for the Winnipeg Jets for their fans? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the players are all, will all definitely, obviously, still be uh, thinking about it as they kind of prepare for for next season. But it was interesting because I saw the the Jets account uh, run, obviously by by John Delaney here, uh, put out the congratulatory tweet like a number of teams do, and obviously coming from uh, the Winnipeg Jets, it's something that. You know, obviously, you're very closely linked to the team that won the Stanley Cup, as you, you're the team that they eliminated in the first round. And you always hear, "Don't read the comments; just stay away from the comments." But uh, I got to say, uh, Jets fans really represented themselves well online uh, yesterday because a lot of it, I think, was just you know, once the Jets were eliminated, I think a lot of people thought, you know, yeah, there were some games that the Jets, I think, really would have wanted to have won in that series. But there was also recognition of just how good of a team St. Louis must have been and continued to be throughout the entire two-month grind. I mean, they went seven games twice. They went six games twice. I mean, that's usually you kind of hear of a team that wins the Stanley Cup having, you know, maybe a four or a five in there. And they didn't have that at any point. So they obviously had uh, a number of great stories along the way with Layla, Gloria, all that. They also had adversity that they had to bounce back from, and they had the answer to that uh, throughout the whole playoffs. Winning on the road is a big thing in this 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs. The Jets uh, won both their games in the opening round on the road. St. Louis won three here in this building. Uh, and then went on to, they, they had the Stanley Cup. They could have won in game six on home, couldn't pull it off. So Boston does it there. And then go into Boston and win game seven on the road. So a lot says to be there. Jordan Bennington, I don't think we can give him enough credit for what he did because it seemed like every any time teams looked like they had figured him out, he came back with an answer. He did that in game seven, didn't he, Tyler? Absolutely. You know, I think, what did he only lose twice back to back? One of those, Winnipeg. Yes. But I mean, <laughs> Mood point now. keeping track of this <laughs> yeah but I mean to to bounce back like he did rookie goaltender that's impressive how about Craig Berube mm-hmm. you know clearly the locker room was buying what he was saying when he came in uh they were in last place things weren't going well he comes in things start to get a little bit be- bit better you know really inspired some young players in that locker room you look at Robert Thomas he was really good in the playoffs. Uh, Vince Dunn, Sammy Blay, who stepped in when mm-hmm. there had to be some line shuffling going on. Ivan Barbashev, Oscar Sundqvist. I mean, there was some coming out parties, as there always is mm-hmm. in Stanley Cup finals. And, you know, credit to Craig Brube and his staff. Uh, Steve Ott as well, you know, mm-hmm. former player. Uh, 
freshly turned coach uh, doing a great job there. And, you know, like Mitch said, congratulations to the Blues uh, for, for hoisting the cup. A big part of my playing in Craig Berube's success, the fact that he had over a thousand penalty minutes. So there's an intimidating presence in that room. I was certainly want to miss, get on his bad side in that yeah. aspect. Now that the, stand, the hockey season is over, uh, now we move on to the next one already. The NHL draft is next week in Vancouver. Signing season's coming up. We're not sure where, what parts are fitting where for the, with this hockey club right now as of this moment. They don't have a first-round pick. That could change at the draft, before the draft, or even afterwards. Um, we're going to find out, and we're going to be telling you what's coming up uh, on this podcast and what kind of content we're going to have for you in the coming weeks. But first, uh, Randy Carlell, former Winnipeg Jet, former head coach of the Anaheim Ducks, uh, was in Winnipeg for a wedding recently. Um, Jim Kite, another former Winnipeg Jet, was in town. Talked to him. He could list off the exact addresses of the places he lived in Winnipeg all Unreal. those years ago. So I'm talking numbers and streets and everything. Uh, I asked that exact same question to Randy Carlisle at the beginning part of this interview, and here it is. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. This is Adam Lowry. You're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Jim Kite was here last week, and he could list off the addresses that he lived at when he lived here. Can you do the same thing? Do you remember the addresses of the places you uh, lived I, at when you I, were I a Winnipeg Jet? I do remember the addresses on uh, the streets. <laughs> I lived on, on Dumbarton. Yeah. I lived on Oxford. And I lived on Burnley, and I lived at 1800 Wellington Crescent in a condominium. So those are the, That's pretty good. Yeah, That's those pretty good recollection right yeah. there. Is that, does, is that hard to come by, or do you, can you see each of those places that you lived in? Well, there were different stages in my life. The mm -hmm. first apartment I rented here was, I actually rented from Tom Clements. He was the, the quarterback yeah. for, the, uh, for the Bombers then, and he was here uh, in the summer months, and he said, well, there's this apartment, maybe you'll take over the lease. And I took over the lease, and... I went on my first road trip and my wife had to open the oven to heat the place because there was no insulation in the, <laughs> in the stairwell because he'd never experienced a winter. So here it was in December and it was cold and they had no insulation in the stairwell up, up to the apartment and she had the oven open and she said, what are you doing to me? <laughs> do, you, do you remember how cold it was? Or was it minus well, I don't remember how much, but it was cold. So yeah. We made one phone call to, uh, to the building operations and... They'd fixed it because it was it was an oversight by somebody who had never had insulated the stairwell, and Tommy wouldn't have known because he didn't he wasn't here in the winter months. Right? Uh, is it hard to explain to people about winters in Winnipeg that haven't been here? When you got to explain to people about that, how would well, you describe them? The winters in Winnipeg are are fierce and and can be rugged, but if you choose to go inside and stay inside, yeah, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. You have to live in it. You live in an environment, uh, your kids go to school, and I can remember lots of nights that our kids went, would go to uh, the Tuxedo Community Center, they had an outdoor rink, and they'd go out and then they'd hurry their dinner, and there wasn't too much homework being done. Right. And uh, we'd go out there and watch the kids play, and they'd throw their sticks out there, and there'd be you know, 15, 16 kids, and they'd play hockey till 8, 9 o'clock, and the lights would go down, and we'd take them home. And those are the memories they have. But on, then on Saturday, we'd play. Everybody, there was adults out there, and if there was 20 people and everybody throw their sticks in the middle and, and one guy would separate and they'd, they'd play for hours. And those were the things that were fun. Uh, and we didn't look as, as winter as being something negative. I was born and raised in Sudbury, Ontario. Yeah, pretty so cold. I, yeah, it's a cold place also. So it's not 
the severity of the winter here is the number of days that it'll stay below a certain degree. I and mean, I can remember that it would stay below minus 25 for over 30 days. Mm -hmm. That's the tough ones. Yes. Those are the, those are the tough ones. But other than that, we lived in it and you, in the old Winnipeg arena that we had lots of times that Sunday night, if it were, the wind was blowing and there was no covered parking, uh, we didn't have the ability to plug our cars in. Yeah. So there was a tow truck there that was giving people boosts at, all the time, but didn't stop us. We ended up going to a restaurant as a group after and, and enjoying ourselves. It was, to me, it was something that you dealt with it and you lived with it and you, and some of the best people and the f most coveted friendships I have in my life are here. Travel has changed significantly for the NHL and, you know, since when you played, you must have some great travel stories where you had, ran into problems of travel. Well, what comes again, to mind on that one? Okay, again, when we traveled uh, south, uh, there was a flight that we always took. We took uh, Winnipeg to Minneapolis, and then we were Minneapolis to wherever. Mm -hmm. So we were always going through Minneapolis. And as you know, mechanical failures can be, you know, a, a thing that, that that happens on a regular basis. And to say that there was one layover, no, because we had them all the time. The most difficult part that I can remember in our travel and play and this was a coaching decision. <laughs> the one of coaches we had believed in practicing. And again, and practice is, isn't, in, isn't pain, but in those days, we'd have to travel. So if, just for instance, if we left the East Coast, if so we we're in New York or Long mm -hmm. Island, we would leave the hotel at five o'clock to catch a six o'clock or 6.30 flight from the New York area into Minneapolis. So you'd sleep that portion of it, and then there was a 9.30 or a 10.30, somewhere in that, that took you from Minneapolis to Winnipeg, and we'd be on the ice at one o'clock. So those were the, the killers that you Ugh. remember that if today's athlete or today's teams ever tried to do that, that they, yeah, I don't think you'd last very long, and the clip, you'd have a revolt on your hands. But that was the norm, mm -hmm. and we got accustomed to it. And you'd call your wife when you were uh, in uh, Minneapolis to know if you were practicing or not because and it wasn't cell phone everybody was heading to the payphone, uh, you know to make the phone call that uh, if we knew we were practicing or not and a lot of guys you know that was our meals were the uh, I guess it, uh, it would have been peanuts and coffee in the morning from the New York to Minneapolis and then whatever you could scrounge into your gut and uh, in Minneapolis and it has changed a lot dramatically but McDonald's was a big one I can guarantee you that <laughs> uh, pay phones would, would veterans have seniority in that situation where they no, would get to there the was, pay there's, there's a bank of them and there's lots of it, lots of pay phones but again it was you had a calling card you, mm -hmm. you know you didn't yep. you didn't have the money you had a calling card you had a number registered and and that's how you made contact with your wife didn't let her know the, what the plan was and there was a lot of grumbling, but we did it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the equipment was cold and wet when we come off and the trainers were handing it out. We were on the ice at one o'clock. What do you enjoy most or what are you most proud of as your time as a Winnipeg Jet? Well, again, I, you know, we had uh, a, a hockey club here that uh, we had some good teams and we were a hundred point team the one year. We were fourth overall in the league and we uh, just couldn't get by the Edmonton Oilers. Mm -hmm. And the disappointing part would be that, that, that we were a team that we felt could, could compete with everybody, but the Oilers had a, dentist, a dynasty, and mm -hmm. they had a lot of success playing the run-and-gun hockey, and we didn't have the offense. And they had probably, at any time, they could have the six best players in the, in the world on the ice. And they were a good hockey club, and you have to give them their due. And 
And if it wasn't for Ray, Wayne Gretzky, I don't think that there would have been a better pl- hockey player around than Dale Howarchuk. Mm-hmm. And he was on our hockey club, and he did some amazing things. But again, uh, not being able to get by the Oilers was probably the the most disheartening, and and the number of uh, of games that uh, that we battled with 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 Calgary, we battled with with uh, the Vancouver Canucks and playoff series also. So the, it, it, when you look back on your career, and, and I said this numerous times, and I look back on the number of games that I played against the Vancouver Canucks, it was over a regular season, over 82 games. My gosh. So, you know, yeah. you, that's a lot of hockey. When no you, question. Yeah, and that was unbalanced scheduling, or, and they were in the same division. So it, when you start playing those a full season against some teams in the league, maybe you're in a round too long. Do you think, uh, do you like the playoff format now in the National Hockey League or the one that you were under when you played? I don't know. I'm not in a position to, to say what, what I – there's positives and negatives on both sides of it. Mm-hmm. I think what's happened, the reseeding and the divisional has cre- helped create some rivalries. But, again, on the other side of it, is it, is it fair? I think you can. there's pros and cons to both, and there's criticisms of both uh, formats. This is the format they've chosen. Uh, when you have certain divisions that are loaded up, and I'm sure the Jets – Figured in that one this year that, that you know it was kind of an unbalanced and unfair uh, position to be in uh, with the strength in the central division. It makes it difficult. Right. But uh, to tell you the truth, that we've been in that situation in, in California for a number of years. No question. Yeah. You know, so it's not. It just seems that the, when it's, the time is right and the timing's right, uh, things will go your way. And I don't think there's a better example than what the St. Louis Blues were able to do since January one. Uh, they were a last place hockey club and found a, a way to create some momentum and have played through and, and got themselves uh, a Stanley Cup and, and earned it. Mm-hmm. They did it the right way. They went into some tough buildings and they came into this building in tough situations and had success. And the one thing I, I look at, and this is my personal opinion, that the, the Jets are a hockey club that have that potential. They've got a lot of depth here. And what's happened to them maybe this year would be an awakener. Yeah. You know, and things won't be as easy uh, as maybe they thought they would be. And those are the things that your hockey club has to go through. Those are the trials and tribulations. I remember our first year in Anaheim. Uh, we went to the Western Conference Final when we lost Edmonton. You know, and they went on to play Carolina. And uh, we were a pretty good team, and we had a lot of things going our way. But we couldn't find a way to get by the Edmonton Oilers, and they won the uh, the series against us and, and lost the Stanley Cup final to Carolina. And we had two chances at it. Yes, we won it the next year, but we got Chris Pronger. Right. Over the course of the summer, and that made a big difference. That was my next question for you. Who, is there a better pairing in defense than Niedermeyer and Chris Pronger in your mind? Well, we didn't play them together. Yeah, on, but on I mean, a like to have, base, the, yeah, to to have, have the both. one-two combination, it, it's, it's hard to, to say that there is a better pair uh, historically, but... The one thing that we did is we did not play them together all season. And then when we went to the final and Ottawa had the, the loaded up the line, it was Heatley, Alfredson, and Spezza, we decided to put them together. And to me, that, that was an intimidating factor because we didn't do it all year, but we made the decision that we were going to play them together against them. And the rest of our players rallied around it, and uh, we were able to find some success in, in winning the cup that year. One of the things I noticed about you, and I'm sure lots of other people in the media noticed about you, is you never liked to reveal who your starting goaltender was. Talking to the guys here, I just started working here last year. They said you didn't like to reveal your goaltender when you coached the Manitoba Moose. 
what uh, was the genesis of that? What Just to make it? you guys <laughs> piss some media guys off, because they always pissed me off in more was ways than Was it Joe Pascucci that got you all right? Oh, Joe, Joe, Joe was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but again, the, the media, they have a way of getting to you some way or shape or form and make life difficult. But it was just a, a tidbit that I felt that I didn't think it was, it, I, I didn't think it, that it was necessary for everybody in the world to know who our starting goalie was mm -hmm. in our preparation for, for their hockey club. It's pretty simple if they really paid attention to it to watch who's gonna play, but if they're not gonna show up and, and I'm not gonna give it to them. They have to come to, to the pregame skate or they have to come to the warm up to decide and then they can make their preparation. I don't wanna give them any, in my mind, I don't wanna give them any advantage to deciding that they can provide a pre-scout on this goalie the night before. They'd have to provide two pre-scouts. Heard some, heard a quick joke from one of the members here at True North about how he used to bug Joe Pascucci about his resume when you had the white card yeah. or the white. Now where did that come from? And I heard it just uh, it lasted for a long time. Nah, how did Joe handle that? Uh, Joe was, a, I would call a dish. He was very good at at uh, giving it out, but he didn't really want to take it too much. So again, there are lots of, of uh, little jokes and that that yeah. humor along the way that I'm famous for. And yeah. uh, all I know is more blessed to give than to receive. Congratulations on the honor and thanks for doing this. Again, haven't done this in a long time, so we had to go over this a couple of times before we started this uh, last segment. Uh, it is your opportunity now for 50 Jets Reward points. As we always do on Ground Control, we hand these out like they're candy. Uh, go to JetsRewards.ca, type in the code word. It is Mick E. Moose, as in Mick E. Moose. E is in the letter, Moose. All one word. All one word, man. And you got 50 Jets Reward points just for hanging out with us, as you tend to do. Busy time ahead for us. We've uh, been looking at each other. We've got to know each other a little bit better in these coming months. We've got to talk about our feelings and everything yep. and really assess our relationships as uh, co-workers and co-people uh, in this room. But uh, now we're getting to business. So the NHL draft is next week. And Mitch, uh, just some of the fun stuff that people can look forward to in the coming week. Yeah, lots of fun stuff, like you mentioned. I mean, the, the NHL draft is always such an exciting time. Um and obviously, WinnipegJets.com will have everything covered from a from a Jets standpoint. Uh, anytime that General Manager Kevin Chevaldeoff speaks to the media, uh, we'll be sure to have that for you. We'll have written coverage. We'll have video coverage. Uh, every single pick that the Winnipeg Jets make, no matter the round, we will have that pick. If they're in attendance uh, on video, you'll be able to hear kind of their first remarks. And those are usually my favorite mm -hmm. uh, because everything is just happening so quickly for them at that point. And one thing that I'll uh, always credit our communication staff for is uh when they when they come out of the out of the crowd they come down they're meeting people they always kind of just before they get them up on the podium or whatever they always just kind of say hey like do you need anything do you need water do you need a moment like whatever you need we're, we're like we're here for you and I, just, I think that's just really important because i mean so much is happening and you know we've we've all been to the draft you've seen all the behind the scenes stuff where they go, they take a bunch of photos they, and there's just a whole gauntlet of thing that happens before they see their family. So to be able to just take a moment just for themselves individually, just to take it all in for a minute and, and whatnot. So I think that that part's going to be cool. So we'll, we'll obviously have uh, a ton of content written and video, but also on the podcast side of things. And that starts, uh, 
really right away next week. Yeah, on Monday uh, we'll have uh, the first of four interviews with uh, members of the Jets scouting staff. And I, I, I asked questions anywhere from what got you into the business, um, why goaltenders haven't been drafted in the first round in years past when they're such an integral part of every team's success. Uh, so I got some really good answers and some favorite players that the, the, each of these scouts have ran into. Uh, one thing I, do, I did learn from these is how much work these guys put in and just at, at scout meetings, that's just the finality of everything they've had all year long. They've been on the road. They've seen hundreds of tapes, lots of players in person, talked to family members. So I, I gained a whole new respect that, that I didn't have it before. But I certainly appreciate what the scouting staff and Kevin Cheveldayoff uh, and Mark Hillier have to go through on a, a yearly basis to get the Jets where they are at this point as one of the uh, top teams in the National Hockey League. Tyler, uh, you went to the draft last year, first time. Uh, Second did, time. Second time, I apologize. So you went to Chicago the year before that. Yep. Um, just what is your favorite? You're not coming this year. Yes, I'm you're in a wedding. Like, yes. But what did you? What are your memories and what do you enjoy about the draft when you're there? Because there's so much going on. Uh, my favorite, it's just the week itself. I think it's, it's really cool just to, you know, especially my first season uh, when I went in Chicago. You know, I you're walking down the street and you see Mike Sullivan, who's fresh off a Stanley Cup win, just like walking down the street, you know, like not a care in the world. And there's just so many people in town that are, you know, of of note that you've watched your entire life growing up and they're all right here in front of you. You know, you're, you're out and, and there's, you know, Mark Recchi and, you know, and just all kinds of big names that you've seen and heard before. And, you know, just the, and like Mitch said, the, just the, the players getting drafted, like what a memory that is, that is amazing. And if, if you can take and you have the wherewithal to stand there for a moment, soak it in, it's very cool. It's so exciting, you know, all the way from rounds one to seven. And, you know, even the kids that, that, that go and don't get picked, it's not over for them. Mm, and I, I think true. there's a there's a serious uh, bit of inspiring stuff that happens at the draft, and it's 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 a really cool week. Uh, and I'm I'm disappointed that I can't make it, but I'm even more excited to go to the wedding. So there's also one other part that that is my favorite that I don't believe is on TV, but is still really cool is the roll call. Yes. Yeah. And all they do is they basically just say like Winnipeg Jets, and usually it's. Uh, I believe it's Kevin Cheveldayoff and Mark Hiller. They're the ones that report that they'll be the ones, you know, making the calls or whatever. And uh, the crowd usually either goes nuts or boos. And uh, the fact that we won't be in the central division, uh, I think yes. will we'll help out the reaction the Winnipeg Jets get. Maybe as a Canadian team in Vancouver, there will be some cheers. I'm interested to, to see that on uh, first round day. Can't wait to do it. Uh, Vancouver is not a bad place to be in, in the month of June. That is for sure, especially the latter half of it. But uh you have something to add? Yeah, just also, we're not going to be uh, talking about other than just draft. Uh, after that, development camp. Yes. Lots of good content coming from there. And then also, we're going to be doing some hometown visits out west. I won't reveal the players who we're doing, but if you take a look at the roster, Western Canada, you could probably figure it out for yourself. But uh, just before we wrapped it up, yeah, I just wanted to say there's lots to come, not just on the draft, but there's lots coming on tap. Well, we're going to be we're in a little bit of shock to be working as much as we will be in the coming weeks <laughs> because it's been smooth sailing. Caught a lot of golf and uh, certainly taken in the Women's World Cup. Not all the time. We've been busy. Yes, not preparing. Using yeah. our peripheral vision to watch television here and there. Appreciate I will you. say my draft prep on my desk looks very impressive. It's just a lot of writing in a very small area. So it Mitch's looks like... desk looks the busiest, actually. He looks the most in tune for the <laughs> NHL draft. But I assure you, we'll all be on par when the draft starts next week in Vancouver. Thanks for listening, as you always do, and look forward to talking to you again next week. 
This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com. 